Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dental Practice Heroes Podcast. We got a good one today. We're talking about the sexiest topic in practice management of dentistry. Yes, we are talking about getting yourself down to three days. I will tell you, I get more questions about this via email than any other thing, so I know this is something that people have an interest in. I got a repeat guest, and the last time he was on, about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, it was one of the most downloaded episodes we've ever had. So there's a reason for that because this guy delivers value. Stay tuned. Let's do it. The Dental Practice Heroes Podcast. Business, communication, leadership, practice, and life success. It all starts with a hero. It all starts with you. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Dental Practice Heroes Podcast, where we believe that armed with knowledge and intentionality, anyone can become the hero that their practice needs and deserves. I'd like to welcome my guest. I got another repeat guest. I got, he's a private practicing dentist in Raleigh, North Carolina, founder of 3D Dentist, host of the T-Bone Speaks podcast, and renowned clinical instructor and speaker, Dr. Tarun Agarwal, and as you may know him, T-Bone. Welcome to the podcast, T-Bone. What's up, Paul? How are you doing, my man? Dude, I'm doing good. So we're recording this on a Thursday morning out in Chicago. It's really rainy and cold. And, and how's it out by you, man? Oh, it's good. Today I woke up this morning. We're starting to warm back up. We had an unusual cold front come through for a couple of weeks. I believe it was 47 when I woke up this morning. And I think we're going to get into the mid-60s, which is, to me, beautiful weather. And it's dry today, so it's fantastic. Yeah, that's that's why sometimes I just think I just got to move a little bit further south and just it would just be perfect. And it's Thursday; it's a non-clinical day. What I mean, what more could I ask? How perfect? Because you know that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, I, I had T Bone. I was talking to him in the internet, and we were just talking about getting down to three days, which is sexy, and everybody wants to know how to do it. I can't tell you how many people have reached out about how do you do this? How do you make the switch? How do you shift it? How do you do all this? Is it even possible? Did you take a loss in income? We're going to get through all these things today. First, I mean, I just ask you, T1, what was it like before you were three days? How often were you seeing patients clinical? And what are you doing now? I want to undress that whole thing, right? Because I think what we have to also realize is there is so much, I call it fake book and Insta famous these days where people aren't telling you the truth. And I want to be very transparent with people. So when I say I'm three days, that's not always true. I am three scheduled days. And then we have, I call Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday flex days. For example, today's Thursday, it's a non-clinical day. I'm actually going to see a couple of patients for quick follow-ups but they fit well into my schedule and I'm not scheduled to do hygiene checks or any of that stuff. So to me, the the key is having flexibility. I'm not hard and fast that I will only work three days a week. I'll do whatever it takes and what the practice needs and what the patients needs. But I think it's critically important to get to three scheduled days and then kind of add or subtract as you please. Now, listen, so when I started my practice uh, back in 2000, scratch start, you know, I was working four and a half days a week, and then I finally got rich and went to four days a week, and who wasn't really rich at the time, but I got to four days a week. And then for me, three days were necessitated because I was spending about 32 Fridays a year on the road speaking, having to work till four or five o'clock on Thursday, hop on a plane, get somewhere at midnight, Thursday night, and then speak all day Friday or part of the day Friday, and then head back home on Friday or Saturday was starting to take its toll on me mentally and a little bit physically, not as much physically as I was still in my early 30s. 
So it was necessitated by needing to cut back so I could continue that passion of mine. So we put together a plan to get to three days a week because I had alternative income on my fifth day, let's call it on my fourth day. What I found was by accident that my production didn't go down at all when I went to three days a week. And in fact, what happened is I consolidated my schedule. I didn't see any more patients. So that's one of the things I'm about. I'm not about taking four days and stuffing it into three days by working harder. I'm more about how can we take our revenue of four days and put it into three days without hustling that much harder by being smarter. So for me, I've been three days now for the last five years. And my goal for 2021 is to be three half days a week of scheduled clinical care. Yeah, you know, and I really like that because for me, I feel like, well, I think anyone who's doing five days, four days just sounds magical. And if you're doing four or three days, sounds magical. And now I'm doing, personally, I'm doing two days scheduled. And I like how you say that because scheduled is the thing because on Wednesdays, I still check two hygiene columns. I'm doing my admin stuff. I'm talking to my team. I'm, I'm having them come to my office. We're strategizing, things like that. But it is a flex day that my front desk cannot book. And only I can let them know if somebody can get put in that day. So it's almost like I'm still doing three days clinical, even though I only have two scheduled. But it just feels different. Now, you said your production didn't go down. And I think that's a huge fear. And, and how is that even possible? How does that work? How, because people ask that all the time. Again, let's unpack the truth into that, into that statement, right? The truth is production did go down for a very short period of time and then levelized and, and frankly went up, but that's for many different reasons. So I, I, want, I want to be clear with people. So part of what I teach and what I philosophize on is, is that you have to create financial flexibility in your life. So you have to be smart with your income and your expenditures in your life so that you can make choices that can advance your life and your practice forward. So for me, having some financial flexibility made it okay to cut to three days and to take a small haircut for a short period of time before we figured out how to not have that income disruption. So for me, what was what was the most important key to that was I still went to the office on that fourth day because I didn't have an associate at the time. And I was doing like you're doing where I was just checking hygiene, basically. And so what I found was when I took out the clinical care part of it and I was just doing hygiene checks, my diagnosis went up significantly. And then we were able to well plan appointments. I was able to spend some time on putting appointments together, scheduling correctly, phasing treatment better. And that automatically right there led to actually doing better on those three days and actually seeing less patients in those three days because we were just doing more dentistry on those less on less patients in those three days. Does that kind of make sense, Paul? Totally. I mean, and the thing is, is that in, in, and I would say my schedule can ebb and flow in that manner as well. Like where when I get really busy, I have a lot of restorative work to do and I'm doing a lot of stuff don't spend as much time with your new patients. And I think a lot of us busy PPO clinicians that run a lot of chairs, we we know this deep down, but we kind of just, we say, well, I just don't have the time to spend with all those people. And then you realize when you get done, and I have the same experience on my day, my, my Wednesday is my day where I'm only checking two hygiene chairs and I'm doing a little bit of work, but yeah, you, you just spend more time with the patients. You get better case acceptance. 
And you tend to diagnose more because I'm guessing there's other people guilty of this as well. But sometimes when I've got, I'm in the middle of a molar endo and I got a crown delivery in the next chair and I got three chairs of hygiene, I might look at a tooth and say, "Mm, I just don't want to talk about this. I mean, have you been through that as well? Oh, yeah. Or for me, it's it's me. I don't want to talk about it. Or if the hygienist didn't set me up perfectly and all I got to do is shake my head yes, then I'm like, we'll just we'll deal with this. We'll just watch that. And, I, you know, I want to talk about some of the struggles I'm having in my practice as well. And I think the word watch is, is a struggle in our practice. So I want to come back to the process of going from four days to three days. Okay. I think step one is, number one, not everybody's going to be ready or willing or able to get an associate right away. And I don't think that should prevent you from going to three clinical days. And when I say clinical days, I'm talking about where you are the dentist in your operatory doing dentistry. Ultimately, most offices are open four, maybe five days a week. And so what I'll suggest to dentists, step one is cut one clinical day down where you're doing dentistry and don't do it, but go to the office, check hygiene and clearly track your diagnosis on those hygiene days. And for me, tracking diagnosis isn't a fancy system. It's an index card where I'll literally write every patient down and then I'll walk walk out of the, the patient's door that day after the hygiene check and I'll write down exactly how much I diagnosed dollar wise. And I'm only worried about diagnosis. I'm not worried about case acceptance, all that stuff, because case acceptance ultimately is directly related to how much you diagnose. And I have this saying, we don't have a case acceptance problem in dentistry. We have a diagnosis and communication problem in dentistry. So I tracked how much I diagnosed on my quote unquote off clinical days. And that alone led to being able to do more dentistry on less people in those lesser clinical days. That's step one. And step two for me was now that I had less stress and I was less busy, quote unquote busy, I was able to better implement some of the more advanced procedures I was learning through all the CE classes that I was taking or reading about today on social media or watching today on YouTube. And what was happening was if I was in the practice working as a dentist four or five days a week, I never had that opportunity to actually plan and implement and execute a strategy to add implants or add sleep or add ortho or add wisdom teeth or add molar endo, whatever it is you're trying to learn and grow your practice with. So that extra day, in my case, Thursdays became, I would only do that type of dentistry on that flex day. So what what happened was slowly Thursday became the day to implement and try new things because there's less stress going on. Because if we ran an hour behind, it wasn't that big of a deal. Or if we ran into problems, it wasn't that big of a deal. So we had that flex day. And so that was step two for me, was being able to add new procedures. And having that flex day was super important in being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, what was the third step? Is there more steps? Yeah, so then the third step came into scheduling. I try to tell everybody that I I think dental business is simple, or you just have to have a very simplistic view of things. And so we don't schedule to production. So this is very, I don't want to say anti-guru. I do want to say anti-guru, but it's just different. It's a different way of thinking. We don't schedule by production in our practice, or at least for my schedule, we don't. We schedule by time blocks. So what I mean by that is no appointment is less than an hour in my office. So if you're getting a buckle pit, it's an hour appointment. If you get an extraction, it's an hour appointment. We are PPO practice. We're in network with seven insurance companies and each dentist works out of one room. And we have two doctors in our practice. 
We have three dental operatories that we share. One is a little bit of an overflow if we need to get somebody numb, but our philosophy is what we're doing in our practice is that we work out of one operatory. So I work out of one operatory 90% of the time. So I don't go back and forth. So we schedule by blocks of time. So at the beginning of when I'm doing my planning session, I'll say that, you know what, I want to do, I'm going to make up some stuff here. I want to do two large implant cases. So if I said, Paul, to you, how much time do you need to do a large implant case? I mean, how much time would you need to schedule for that? I guess it depends, but I mean, I'd probably schedule half the day, I imagine, right? All right, so that's like a three or four hour block, correct? Right, yeah. Okay, so what we do at the beginning of the month is we pick two, three hour blocks and block them off. And that's where we put those large implant cases. And so what I found was by doing that, like, so then we said, like, very common procedure for me to do might be a a root canal and crown in a single visit. And that's a two hour block for us. So we said, hey, we're doing about five or six of those a month, or 10 of those, whatever the number may be. And so we created 10 two hour blocks. And then so what we did is I started scheduling by blocks of time. And then that's where we patients in by the not by the dollar amount, but by the amount of time it took for that procedure to be done. I may have a patient that needs eight fillings all at once, and that may be a three-hour block. I mean, I'm not going to... A three-hour block is a three-hour block, whether I produce $20,000 in that three hours or whether I produce $1,500 in that three hours. So I block and I advocate blocking by amounts of time that you need for the types of procedures that you want to do and the number of procedures you want to do on a single patient. So for me, step one was... Better diagnosis, cutting down the days. Step two was adding procedures and and executing those. And step three was implementing a scheduling system that wasn't by production, but more by the amount of time I would need for patients. So in in your opinion, and the way that I did this when I did this in my practice, it was was a little bit backwards as we already had the scheduling. So we use the templating blocking like you do. I mean, we do it. It's blocked in a manner so that we reach our dollar per hour goals, but it's not like something... Like where if I do an ortho start for $5,000 and my goal is $500 an hour, that's all I'm going to do that day. It, it's not like we'll have big days and small days. But we always did the scheduling system first. And this is like what my next question is. And it kind of sounds like, in my opinion, in my mind, I think you got to get your practice revving on all gears and get yourself up to capacity and then cut back. But it sounds like you're kind of saying cut back and then build it from there. Now, is that right? Well, yes and no. I'm saying experiment. See, there's no one way, right? Like like we were talking earlier before we got on, there's somebody that wants to literally spend an hour and a half taking out teeth and that's all they want to do or they want to work slowly. That's not necessarily going to work, but you don't know until you experiment. And for me, I didn't want to see more patients, but I knew that I needed to increase my, my revenue. So I needed to do procedures that produced more on an individual basis. So you got to experiment. I'm going to, again, use accurate numbers, but let's call them fake numbers, okay? So I established my goal was to personally produce per year, okay? So my goal for me is I want to produce $1.2 million personally per year out of my, my dentist column, okay? So then I worked backwards from that. So I, I had a clear dollar amount that I needed to do. And then I, I made a firm agreement to myself that that's all I wanted to do. I don't want to do a dollar more. So for me, the game today is how many days do I have to work to hit $1.2 million? Not that I'm going to work 120 days or whatever the number is and produce as much as I can. I'm the absolute opposite. I want to produce and collect 1.2 million. 
And I'm down to 100 days a year and doing that clinically. So it takes time to get there. But I started backwards, like you just mentioned. I said, okay, this is the revenue I got to do to pay my bills in the practice, to pay my bills in my life, to fund my savings plan, all of that stuff. This is the number I've got to do. And then I worked backwards. And then I, I went as detailed as said as to hit this number, I've got to do, and now I'm making up numbers because I don't know. I've got to do 30 ortho starts. I got to do 60 implants. I got to do 100 crowns. I got to do 200 fillings. I went through and went that detailed into the breakdown to see if it was realistic. And then I started scheduling blocks based on that. And that's how I figured out how to do it. And I literally just put it together like a jigsaw puzzle in the very beginning. And I worked backwards to achieve the number. And I think that the biggest problem that most dentists have in trying to go from four to three days is they, they just can't put a number to it. They can't tell you what their goal is that they need to revenue each year. And if you don't know your end goal, you can't, you can't reverse engineer anything. And so to me, that's the first thing. And then I go a step further in that revenue. Let's say a dentist listens to your podcast says, hey, my, my personal annual revenue is $750,000 a year, is I would break that down into categories. How much of that is basic restorative? How much of that is crown and bridge or major restorative? How much of that is ortho? How much of that is implants? How much of that is removable? How much of that is endo? How much of that is sedation? Figure out what your procedure mix is and figure out where the discrepancy is. And then focus on that and start block scheduling time-wise for those types of procedures. And for me, those flex days, those Thursdays, if I go backwards for a second, those Thursdays, I literally told the team that if we don't schedule a sedation patient, I'm not seeing anybody. Don't put anybody in there. It's only for sedation. Then it was implants, and then it was cosmetics, and then it was... XYZ over time. And, and that's what those case, those days were. And then they slowly started making it into the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule. Yeah. And you know, I like that you say also that you have to experiment with it. Cause I mean, I'm hearing that. And when you're explaining your process is that it was an experimentation. And one of the things I think a lot of people get hung up on is if you really think about it, okay. And everyone's worried about this, this income loss and what am I going to do? And am I going to be busy enough? And can I even pull this off with my overhead and all stuff? I mean, worst case scenario, you just go back to that fourth day. You take that flex day and you start scheduling it. I mean, the sky is not falling. It's not as complicated as everyone, I think, wants to make it. But I kind of just follow up questions. So now you said, I mean, this was an experiment for you. You, did, you probably didn't have it all planned out when you figured it out, made adjustments as you go, as we normally do. I didn't have it planned out at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what were some of the major struggles that you had once you made that switch? So I think the biggest struggle was sticking and being true to my blocks. That was super hard. And we, we face that still to this day. That is not something that has ever gone away. I'll give you a perfect example. We have a gentleman I was just uh, treatment planning with my treatment coordinator this morning, and he needs five implants for 10 teeth and a full arch of extractions. And his mom, would, his mom is paying for it. And they would like it done before Christmas. And that's a four-hour block in our practice and we should have those sacred blocks available. But what's happened is the team has taken that four-hour block and they've stuck an hour and a half in there. or They've stuck it into two two-hour visits. And so that struggle is super important because now I've got a $20,000, $25,000 case that I'm going to take care of because I'll do it on a Thursday or Friday, which is another reason 
that people should only be doing clinical days three days a week because then you have the flexibility of doing something where you can fit them in within reasonable hours. That was and has been a continuous struggle for us is being true to our blocks and being even so adamant that I'll say, you know what, leave those four hours empty because we didn't fill it. Yeah, and and I'll I'll agree with you that at my practice we have the same issue, and it's I think it's just part of the the nature of the beast of blocking system. The the front desk wants to make the patients happy, and they see all that time, and they say, okay, let's this will fit here. Let's just do it. So yeah, yeah. But a way around that is to literally create blocks, like literally put blocks in, not just colored side things, but actual blocks in the schedule that say a four hour patient, and then that way when a patient looks at it, it's not this empty schedule. And number one, stop showing your patients a schedule. <laughs> Don't do that. You know, what's what involved me to get our block system really going was that I would have to look forward, and when I found something that didn't belong, I had to go find the person that scheduled it and ask them to reschedule it. And I think that was a major accountability turning point in my scheduling system. And, and we're actually switching, because I'm, I'm Monday nights, I'm from 12 to 8, and it's just ortho. I have three columns of orthodontics, and I'm trying to do like molar root canals and crowns next to it. And it's just too damn hard. You can't. Yeah, you can't. So now I went through, I went, I had to go forward almost two months. And now I just decided I'm not going to do any crowns. I'm not doing a single filling. I'm not doing any restorative on Monday nights. And if anyone wants to come in for a night because of like availability with work, they're just going to have to see my associates because I just can't do it. It was literally like I'd wake up on Monday and just feel ill about going into the practice, just knowing I'd be sweating and running from room to room, apologizing and it's not a, how I want to practice dentistry by any means. You know, I call that getting clarity, Paul. I think that's getting, getting clear about who you are, what you want to be, and getting a team on board. And as much as I make fun of medicine, and my wife's a medical doctor, as much as I make fun of medicine, what I say is, though, there's something that we should learn from procedure-based medical offices. They have blocks where they do certain procedures. Let's say I need a colonoscopy. I don't go to my GI doc and say, hey, can you fit me in on Monday at 8.15? They say, hey, we do our cases on Monday afternoons, Wednesday mornings and Thursday afternoons, which one of those works best for you? And they have specific times where they do specific things and in general dentistry. And and again, I want to be clear about one thing that I didn't mention. I'm talking about advanced general practices that have a scope of services. Okay. I'm not talking about the general practice. That's a hygiene filling and crown practice because there's just not as much need for some of the things I'm talking about there, but I'm talking about a full scope of services practice got to get to a point where you have days. Like for example, Tuesday morning is my surgical center day. So once a month, we have one Tuesday morning that I go to the surgical center, whether I have a patient or not, that's the only thing I'll do that morning. We have blocked time at the local surgical center. And so when patients come in and they say, hey, I need this procedure done. And so I'll say, hey, that's going to be the 13th of this month. And that's the, and patients just fall in line. So to me, that's, that's so key what you're talking about there is that you just got to niche down your schedule and start saying, we do these procedures on these particular time blocks. Yeah, and it's so true. I, I mean, I just had my ACL surgery uh, about two months ago. And when I go for my follow-ups, they do that. And I, right at the end of the follow-up, someone else knocks on the door, enters the room, and hands me a card and said, here's your next follow-up. And so, okay, I guess that's when I'm coming back. All right, cool. Yeah, and you experiment and you do that until you get pushback. 
And if you gave them pushback, they would adjust the schedule to accommodate you. People want to be led and people will fall in line. You just got to be true to yourself and believe in yourself that, th- that this is what you want to do and then make it happen and, and don't deviate. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, Dr. Etch here. If you are like most dentists I talk to, you want to grow your practice. We all know that we didn't learn how to run a successful practice while we were in dental school. So where do we learn it once we get out into the real world? That's why myself and Dr. Justin Bullard created DentalBusinessMentor.com. If you want to know the tricks, the tips, the tactics that we use in our own practices, DentalBusinessMentor.com is for you. Over 175 videos, not to mention the documents, protocols, and checklists that we use to run our practices. We have modules on phone skills, mindset, reappointment and reactivation, leadership, culture creation, marketing, effective meetings, patient experience, case presentation, KPIs, scheduling, and collections, just to name a few. We will show you how to run the practice of your dreams. So if you are ready to take your practice and your life to the next level, check out dentalbusinessmentor.com and you have nothing to lose. We offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you aren't happy, we aren't happy. Go to dentalbusinessmentor.com and take the first step towards learning how to create a practice that helps you live a better life. All right. Well, before we get into our final question round, I just want to ask you like just last thing about the three days. Looking back on it, what would you have done differently? Oh, good question. I would have. So listen, I've been in practice now 20 years. I'm only 43. I don't want people to think I'm old, (laughs) but I've been in practice for 20 years now. I didn't save one penny the first 10 years of my career. And the one thing I would tell anybody to go backwards and do differently is have a written and firm savings plan in place. And if I ever get in front of dental students, what I tell them is I say, year one, you're committed to saving $500 a month, no matter what. Year two, that number goes to $1,000 a month. Year three, that goes to $2,000 a month. Year four, that goes to $3,000 a month. And each year, it goes up by $500 or $1,000 per month. And that becomes a bill. No different than a mortgage payment. No different than a student loan payment. I don't accelerate any payments in my life, any mortgage payment, until after I paid my savings plan. So if there is no money left after paying the savings plan, there is no money to accelerate the home mortgage or accelerate student loans or any of that stuff. That's what I recommend for everyone because everything I've accomplished in my practice, from the type of dentistry we do, to the schedule that I work, to how I treat my team, to the equipment we have, to the renovations we do, all of that has come about from having financial flexibility. When you can look in your bank account And you can see that, you know what, I can make it six months or three months without producing $1 and I'm going to be okay. Suddenly experimenting becomes easy. Suddenly experimenting becomes not so daunting. And so all of these people that I'm telling you, all of the people that say, I can't do this or I can't do that. Part of the reason or the big part of the reason is they haven't created financial flexibility to where they can say, you know what, I've got three months to make this work. And it's not going to affect my life. And, and so that savings plan is so important to me. It's been unbelievably important through my advancement of my practice career. Yeah, and I love that it's, the, it's almost like the graduated payment because you won't, I mean, it's not like you're going to feel it. It's not like you're going from zero to $10,000 a month. 
you, you won't even notice it. Well, look, I, I'm not trying to humble brag, but my number now is almost 20 grand a month. And you can't go from zero to 20 grand a month. You just can't. It's impossible. You got to go 500,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, whatever it takes. And the next thing you know, I mean, it's a significant chunk of money. And not all of it's in retirement at all. A lot of it's in literally a rainy day fund that I can do what the hell I want with. And we just were disciplined not to spend it on frivolous stuff where it's really a life choice uh, fund. Yeah. And, and I can totally just relate to that because when my ACL, I, I took three weeks off from my surgery. Doctor said, take at least two. I took an extra one. I wanted to take a fourth. And I think the moment it was the main reason I didn't only took three wasn't because of financial. It was more because we had to move so many patients, but it was nice to know that, Everything was going to be fine. That I literally was not going to practice, and, and even the the months before my surgery, or the two weeks before my surgery, where I was practicing, where I was on crutches. I mean, we just we scheduled a ton of people and just moved around because I couldn't move very quick, and I didn't fret about it because it was just I, I had the savings and I was like, this is fine. So totally uh, can relate to that, and, and also highly recommend doing that because I think a lot of us, you like you said, you're scared because you. You're counting every penny because you just haven't put the the rainy day fund or anything away. So, all right, T one. So we got we got to move on to the next system here. So we're gonna move on to our next segment where we share little systems that add up to big results. T bone, what is your small system? So my small system is what I call firm financial arrangements. It's a buying process. And for us, we provide every patient, no matter how much the dollar amount is, no matter whether they ask for a payment plan or not, we provide them a financial menu of their dollar amount, their treatment plan in plain English with all the payment options automatically calculated for them. And it has been a game changer in our practice. We implemented this about eight years ago. We implemented it with all the payments on there every single time eight years ago. We've had a financial menu for 15 years or so, but it has been a game changer for us. Is a simple Excel sheet that we put on every tablet. We have a tablet. We're getting a tablet for every operatory, but right now they do it off the desktop computer and it's a Google Doc and they literally go in and they type the number in. It automatically calculates out the different ways patients pay for it. We print it out for them, give it to them, and that way every patient knows what their choices are and every patient that walks out, because 80% of our patients don't schedule the same day, they go home, think about it, they call back, and then they know they have a written sheet of paper that reminds them how they're gonna, how much it is and how they're going to pay for it. So we don't have to have that conversation multiple, multiple times. Been a game changer for us. Are you still printing out a, like an itemized treatment plan? No, we, we make that available if patients ask for it, but there is no itemized treatment plan. At the top of our financial menu, there's a little box block up there that we'll literally write what we're doing on there. We'll literally write crown number three, filling number two and number six or whatever it is. You know, we'll write very in, in human, very basic terms what we're doing. Implant start to finish uh, number 19. Like that's the kind of verbiage we use on our treatment plans. Excellent. Yeah, I really like that. All right, let's move on to the segment where we celebrate that all of us are human and that none of us is perfect. Are you ready to get real? Everybody get down. It's about to get real in here. What is the biggest struggle at your practice and what are you doing about it? 
So I think the biggest struggle for us is keeping people focused, keeping people organized and keep, keeping people motivated. And, you know, for me, I know a lot of people look to me as a person that has it figured out and we don't, we're just less worse than others. <laughs> but for me, what I'm doing is I, I keep getting simpler and simpler and simpler. I have found that the more I focus on fundamentals, the easier it is for my team to get to get on board and the easier it is to execute. Simple, simple, simple. And then the other thing I do about that is I have a, a impromptu sit down with every team member. They, in other words, they, they, they come to me. I don't go to them and say, hey, it's our time or we don't schedule it where we say, hey, eight o'clock. We don't schedule this, but I'll have a sit down with every team member at least once a week for five minutes and we'll just catch up on what's going on in their life and what's going on in their practice, things I should know, things they should know, and how we can work together to make it, to make it better. Awesome. If you could go back in time to the beginning of your career, what do you wish you could tell yourself? Uh, well, number one, I wish I told myself year one to take insurance and not try to do it fee-for-service and go, almost go bankrupt. I would tell myself to save day one, like I mentioned earlier. And the other thing I would tell myself is to never hire warm bodies, to be true to yourself about the culture that you that you want to create and the reality of the culture that you are and literally only hire people that fit that culture. And every time I've hired somebody that was just a, like I was accommodating them because I thought they were going to be a superstar or great. It never worked out. It just created, it demoralized the team and it just was, just hasn't worked. So team culture is, and by the way, the team culture and your, your practice culture has to be very dentist centric. It has to be owner centric. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? At the end of the day, it's my name on the building. So it's my culture. It's not the, it's not, not a culture around what my people want. It's the culture that I want. And I fill in the people around me that fit that culture, assuming that I'm experimenting that my culture works. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do things and, and, and I put myself around with people that don't do things that would never get anything done. So as long as it's working, it's very focused on me. So, so give you an example. I want to drop my kids to school. That's very me focused. At the end of the day, I just tell people we're going to start at nine o'clock. I mean, I can't. There's nothing I can do about it. And and somebody says, "Well, I need to start at seven. It's, I'm sorry, that's just the way it works. And because at the end of the day, my happiness. When I'm happy, everybody else is happy. When I'm unhappy, it infects everybody else around me. So we got to be focused on being owner centric in the culture. Yeah, I love that, man. All right, share a story where you learned a valuable business lesson from an experience or the hard way. Well, I'm going to be a little personal here. It's a family story. Probably the most important lesson I've ever learned in my life. My dad had saved a little bit of money for us at the time and gave it to somebody to invest. And that person stole our money. And for us, it was a significant amount of money. And what I learned from that were a few things. One, how my dad reacted. I never saw him cry. I never saw him do any of those things. What I, what I heard him say to me was all that person did was take away my money. They didn't take away my brains. They didn't take away my ability to earn. And they didn't take away my business. They helped get us there. So what I tell every dentist is the biggest and most important investment you'll ever make is in you, yourself. You've got to constantly improve your business. You have to constantly improve your skill set. Because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, no matter what 
smart or dumb or brilliant or non-brilliant decision you make in your personal life or something dumb happens to you, like you tear your ACL or whatever it is, if you have good businesses and good things in place and you've been smart and you've invested in your practice, you will always be able to have the ability to earn earn it out. And that's the beauty of dentistry. We have an unlimited income potential. We can be as big or as small as we want, make as little or as much as we want. And that's the beauty of what we do. So always constantly, your number one investment should be yourself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. That's awesome. All right. So what's coming in the future for you? What's going on with 3D Dentist? What are you up to? I'm gonna so 3D Dentist has expanded over the last few years. I've got several instructors now. We've got Aaron Elliott, who's phenomenal at sleep. Got Sully Sullivan, who's phenomenal at sleep, digital implants, so many things. John Poschnitz, who does uh, implant training. Hu Tan, who does our medical billing. We've got Eric Ballou, who does our in-office mentoring programs on the clinical side. We have Brian McGew, who does our sedation program. So I've I've always had this philosophy of learning to replace yourself in life and in your practice, and I've extended that to 3D dentists. So what, this, what that's done for me is I've been able to raise other people up, keep them on the team, and it's created some free time for me. The one of the things I want to do in my free time is, is next year in 2020, we're going to be going around and doing our what's called the NEXT seminar, N-E-X-T seminar. And it's a one-day program on how to take your practice from being a traditional general dentist practice to doing more advanced procedures. And it's quite frankly, it's just about business simplified. It's about focusing on your patient process, focusing on firm financial arrangements, focusing on team leadership, to focusing on diagnosis and communication, and focusing on the buying process for your patients, and then focusing on the clinical skills that you need to expand your services so that all of these things work. And what I've found over the years and talking to so many dentists and even evaluating myself is that every time I've struggled to implement a procedure or a product that we've purchased, it all comes down to our buying process, how we make it hard or easy or difficult for our patients to buy or for our team members to sell. It all comes down to that buying process. And in dentistry, we've just been doing it the traditional way. I don't even say the wrong way. It's just the traditional way. It's the way that worked in the 70s and 80s and maybe the early 90s, but it's not the way that works in the 2010s and certainly not the way that'll work in the 2020s. And, And if you don't mind, I'll give a quick example If you ever go to any store today that sells anything that's more than $400, they don't ever put the price of the product on there. They put the monthly payment of the product on there. And we have got to change the buying process for our patients. And and if you want to be less insurance dependent, I'm not saying get rid of insurance, but be less insurance dependent. You've got to diagnose better, you've got to communicate better, and you have to have a buying process in place so patients can actually afford the dentistry that you want them to do and that they want to do themselves. And, and I'm trying to simplify it. So that's, that's my mission for 2020 is to get around the country and help practices love our profession because I love dentistry. Dentistry has been so good to me. And I, I want to continue to help other practices. And I want to continue to be an actual practicing clinician, an actual pra- owner, practice owner, so that I can have all the lumps and bumps and pimples and warts that come from actually owning a dental practice. Do you have your date set? Is there a website or anything where users can get more information? Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Pretty simple. If you want to learn anything more about anything I do, whether it's a podcast, seminars, nonsense, whatever it is, it's simple. Just go to tbonespeaks.com and it'll get you to everything that I have to offer. My free ebook, which talks through my, my, my practice pivot about how we've moved our practice, the model that we have, my courses, seminars, my speaking events, all that stuff, that my podcast, my blog, my videos, all that stuff, tbonespeaks.com will get you anything that I have to do. If you want to leave me a mean or nasty message, you can go to tbonespeaks.com. Yeah, you know, I, I really enjoyed your, uh, the videos you've been putting on Instagram have been really cool. I've been enjoying those. And I mean, I, I just, I, I give you props for being a clinician that is willing to put their stuff out there because I'm not saying I do awful dentistry, but I would just never be comfortable having that many eyes watching what I do. You know what I mean? And, and you're out there doing it, and, and it, it's awesome. I, I love your Insta. So, well, you know, I just I did I did it all on six in front of seven thousand people last month. So, <laughs> you know, I saw the video where where you checked the occlusion and like the room went nuts, and like I got the chills. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> did. Did you also get the chills when that happened or you just like, thank God? Oh, <laughs> uh, well, so what happens? I checked the bite before we went on camera again for that part. And I screen ex- expletives about how great everything was when that happened. I hope I, maybe my video person has that on video, but that to me is the beauty of it, man. In a two hour block of time, I extracted an entire arch put in five or six implants and did an immediate load on somebody. And that's the same amount of time that many of us do a single crown in. And a single crown gives you $1,000, $1,500 in revenue. And that gives me $20,000, $25,000 in revenue. And so to me, that's the beauty of general dentistry. There is nothing other than yourself that's preventing you from being able to do that stuff. And, and that's, what I, that's what I love about our profession. Just love it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and it really is, and it's it's disheartening when we read on Facebook forums how some people are just so bitter and shortchanged by their choice of career, and I just don't like that even that that dialogue any bit. But it's it's you see it a lot on the Facebook forums, and it's frustrating because I agree with you, man. It's a great profession. We're running out of time here, so let's get on to the dental practice hero sexy six. Six sexy questions. What is your favorite quote and what does it mean to you? It's from my dad. I'm sure he got it from somebody else. It says, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Basically, if you're staying stagnant, if nothing else, everybody else around you is moving forward and they're catching and passing you. All right. What are you reading right now? What book am I reading right now? I'm reading a book called Superfans by Pat Flynn. It talks about how to build a culture of raving fans that support and believe in you. And so... I, it's an interesting book. I'm reading it. Nice, nice. Now, recommend a single book that all dentists should read. Absolutely. Very simple for me. Making it easy for patients to say yes by Dr. Paul Homley. Yeah, I still have that book I bought 18 years ago. It sits in my bathroom. And every time I go to the bathroom, I pick it up and read it over and over and over and over again. Making it easy for patients to say yes by Dr. Paul Homley. It's an $18 book on Amazon. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, recommend a seminar or continuing education. Well, I think I'm biased in this. Certainly, I recommend 3D Dentist and T-Bone Speaks. Uh, We do some phenomenal training. I call it the business of clinical excellence. We focus on teaching you clinical skills, but more importantly, we focus on teaching you the business skills that it takes to actually implement these fancy clinical procedures into practice. T-BoneSpeaks.com. 
Very cool. All right, please share an analogy that you use to communicate an idea to a patient. Here's what I tell everybody. You know, I tell, listen, my job is to create a game plan for you. Your job is to choose how you execute the game plan. You can choose to do some of it, none of it, or all of it. You can go as slow as you want or as fast as you want. They're your teeth, your... So it's not very clinical based, but that's kind of how I end every hygiene exam or every time I go over treatment with somebody, I end with that statement. That way people know it's up to them what they do. It's no, no skin off my back. Yeah, and I think most people would agree that the most stressful situations in their life are when they don't have control, and that's putting the control in the patient's hands. You know, it's 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 your mouth. Do what you want. It's their teeth. Yeah, especially with night guards. Talk to patients about night protection, and just like, you're not going to wear it. Ain't going to do shit for you. I don't care if you do it. You know, it's your mouth. And I love speaking like that. You know, it's authentic. It's genuine, and I. I think people can relate to it, and I, that's how I would want to be spoken to. I want to know, let's talk to me about what it is, you know? Absolutely. All right, T-Bone, if you had three pieces of advice for a new dentist or soon-to-be graduate, what would they be? Very simple. Number one, create a savings plan. If it's $10 a month and that's all you can afford, make it $10 a month. I don't care, but just have a plan and make it automated that it puts the money into a savings every month, automated for you. Number two, learn how to communicate and be authentic and gain trust of your patients. It is the most underutilized and most non-educated skill in every dental practice that I've ever seen or talked to is learn how to communicate with patients and then uh, learn how to use a digital camera and extra oral camera and learn how to take photos of your patients and simply show your patients what you see and let them self-diagnose themselves. Dentistry is simple. Just learn how to do those three things. Awesome, man. Well, I can't thank you more for taking time out of your, is this, is today your flex day? It is. Thursday is my flex day. All right. And this is what he's doing on his flex day. This is what I'm doing on my flex day as well. So, hey, thanks for taking time out of your day, T-Bone, to speak with us. I know a lot of people are going to probably reach out and look at your seminars because this is just it's a topic that's awesome, and I love what you did with 3D Dentist, man. There's so many, like, had Brian McGu was on the, I haven't had Aaron on yet, but Brian, Brian was on the podcast. He was fantastic, and it's just, it's, it's great things for dentists to learn, and I like that you take the avenue of, like, it's not just about the clinical, it's about how to implement it, because that's where we really struggle as dental and business owners, is just, we just can't get it off the ground and get going, so... Mad props to you, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me on, and thanks for listening. And if anybody needs me, tbonespeaks.com. 